Guys, quick question. Are you good in your honest opinion at reading signs? Like for example, when you meet someone and you feel there might be something there, you know? Are you good at reading the signs when you're obviously having a moment with that person? When the eye contact is lingering or when you surprise that person having a quick look at your lips for the first time? In that situation, how much do you trust your own judgment? Do you think, right, we both want it, it's clear we're going to kiss? Or do you think, shit, do I have something in my teeth or something like that? If you've listened to a couple of previous episodes of this podcast, trusting your gut feeling has often been mentioned as one of the key learnings after a breakup, something that should be remembered for future relationships. That's great. Ideally, that's the right thing to do. But the thing is, when it comes to reading signs, usually the mind takes over. Insecurities kick in, you start freaking out a little bit, and the fear of rejection can totally mislead you. For me and for a long time, the problem was believing that someone, anyone really, could show any kind of interest in me. It was even more unthinkable if I fancied that person. Those insecurities came from different places and for several reasons, but they completely tainted any sort of gut feeling. My gut feeling was always negative. How to stay in touch with a real gut feeling, there's a big challenge. And when you can't, well, that's when it gets very tricky. For that reason, I have often been terrible at reading signs. I mean, useless. You know, when you think you know, but you don't really know, so you wait a little bit to get some sort of confirmation, but then you only get a wee bit of it, probably not enough. So you don't try anything. You wait again and again and longer and longer. I mean, all the doubts and the questions, I mean, it's just... Anyway, I won't reveal any stories today, even if, to be honest, it will be good comedy value. But let's say that if you think that you are bad, you're not alone. In the context of a relationship, once the approach, it's not a problem anymore. Reading the signs can be equally tricky, especially because ideally, we shouldn't be trying to read our partners, but try and communicate. But it's not always that easy. When Graham and Susie met four years ago, they had no issue whatsoever identifying their interests for each other. Later on though, the signs weren't that clear anymore. Around college and I was like, I have to speak to her. Like, this is gonna be my goal. And cause I was like, even that no, and I thought, cause the thing is about here, and it's different from other parts of the world, there's a total taboo around speaking to somebody randomly, you know, especially in somewhere like, you know, an office or in college, university, people get creeped out by it. And it shouldn't be like that. It should just be, if you like somebody, you should go and speak to them. And so after about, it must be about five months, she was in the library one day and I saw her doing some work and I was like, I said to like, my mate Scott, I'm just going to go and ask her name. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I went up to ask her name and then I looked at her and I went, hi. And then she looked up and went, hi. And then I just froze and then I just said hi uh, is my USB sitting here by any chance and then she looked no and then I clocked her name and I was like all oh, right at least I know her name now and then I went oh it doesn't matter and then walked off and I was like oh, Graham you totally could have done better there because she was engaged she was looked very friendly and warm you know her body language was open so it, so what I did and she la- she used to laugh at this all the time and I used to laugh at it as well but what I did I seemed like a creepy creepy guy I went on to Facebook 
And uh, messenger saying, hi, I was the guy that was just looking for my USB. I have to admit, there wasn't a USB. <laughs> I just really wanted to get your name because I've seen you around college. And luckily, thankfully, she found it flattering. And basically, we just clicked from there. And then we, we exchanged Facebook messages and we were t- texting pretty quickly. And then we met within like a week. And it was an instantaneous... Well, as I say, I like, fancied her like mad before I even met her. And because she, she was a... She still is a very beautiful person. It was just the way we were speaking to each other, it just rolled. It just things, we, we were saying stuff. And it, we, you know when you're speaking to somebody and it's very one way, it was two way. It was long messages, which sometimes can be a bit off-putting, but it was, you know, we were just, conversations flowed naturally. There was never a need for us to ask each other questions. It was always just a natural conversation. And we're making each other laugh. I never laugh in a message, but she was actually making me chuckle. And it was that kind of way, oh, this girl's really, she's class. She's a, she's a, she's like a, a good bird, as we'd say. And uh, we were we were just it was just it was really odd because I hadn't felt that for well, ever actually with somebody and hadn't really and this was without even meeting her that we were able to have this genuine conversation and it was very natural and we were telling each other things very personal stuff pretty quickly so that was there was a real we, we went into a quite a relaxed mode very very fast it was instant you could you could tell that there was like electricity between us and then we met as I say like the next day she admitted to me that the first time we met she thought. Uh, I really like him, but I don't know. Is he a bit too daft? <laughs> that's what uh, that's what he basically said. Like, I don't know. And then she she said that she decided going out on a second date because it had been so good. And then for her, it was a second date, and we had our first kiss and stuff. And that date, that was when she said she knew that like it was like an instantaneous attraction. And after then, it was just like it was being like in high school. It was like, you know, meeting up and it was just like, every single time before I was meeting her, I was very nervous and excited and even with her. I mean, it's quite rare to be with somebody and really, really enjoying them to be there. Every single day, I felt like I was getting to know her better. There was always something new to know about Susie. Even before we ended, I, every day I was still finding something new about her, you know, her complexities. So that's what I found exciting. It was, that's, I mean, the first time I, I wasn't thinking about, oh, is this the right decision? Oh, is this the right person? Oh, do we get along? It was... So like, I thought it was such a smooth transition, and I didn't get that at all. And that's the first time I had it, and maybe that was frightening for me, the fact that it was too easy in terms of going in, going into this relationship, and being you know falling in love with this girl. That well, that's when we went and saw the Hobbit, and uh, I went watching this film, and I'm a film, I love my cinema, and this is the first time I was not bothering, and I was being that. I can say the word dick, who was being talking and we were whispering and she was laughing away and we were not bothering film and then after three, it was a long film and usually I think going to the cinema of a date is quite, an, quite an awkward experience, I would never do it but because we met before we were very relaxed, we thought oh, I love The Hobbit but and then afterwards we went to a place called uh, Mosquito, no uh, not Mosquito, Slouch sorry and we sat in this wee booth in the corner and it was just me and her and it was very intimate, and we just the whole night, I just we just sat, and she looked at me and looked at her, and I could just see as the night went on, her smile was getting bigger and bigger, and she had that wee glint in her eye, and then I could see it as well, and it was just growing and growing, and I could just see that she was really 
that she likes me, and it was like a lot of hand touching, and it was very flirty, and but it wasn't flirty in the sense that it was you know seedy. It was nice. It was it was so natural the way it processed that way. And I say I was already like, oh god, this girl's amazing. But I could see in her just the night went on. I was like, yeah, you're doing your job, Graham. Just keep doing what you're doing. She's liking it. She's digging it. Just keep going. Be yourself. It's fine. And then we got a taxi home, and I got a wee kiss off her, and that was terrifying. I remember when I went for it, it was I felt like I need to kiss her. I just need to do this, I need to do it, I need to do it, I need to do it, I need to do it. And then she was taken aback by it because she was sitting and that because I was getting dropped off first. And I just went right by. And then it was most and I'm quite a smooth person, I'd say, and I was so awkward, but she didn't mind. And then as long as that wee that wee kiss was out of the way, I felt right, okay, she knows that I'm in her and she's like she gave me it back, so it was fine. And from there on in it was like, Oh, this is on. <laughs> no get no getting out of this now. You've you put in the work, Graham. Honestly, a perfect relationship for quite a long time. Not perfect in the way that obviously there was stuff that annoyed us about each other, and, it, and she would probably say, Graham, perfect? What are you talking about? From what I, standards I had, they were being met. In fact, they were being exceeded. So that's what I always thought about, is that this is better than you ever could have thought. I know that sounds really boring, but it was intense safety. It was this, oh my God, this person. I, if, if the world ended right now, I remember we would lie in bed in the morning and we'd stay in for ages. And I was saying, if the world was to blow up right now, I would be happy. And then we went on holiday together with my family. I go to this island called Collins every year, and this is a place where I like to relax and be me. And, you know, I can get away from things. And I'm, 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 I'm an extrovert, but that's somewhere I go in myself, and I like to think, and I like to think things through, and I can just, it's a place where you just want to escape the world. This is where you go. And Susie came with me, and for the first few days I felt like this place has been ruined for me because I have to be with Susie, and I want to... I, I wanted to be selfish, I wanted to, you know, be how it always is in Collinsy. I want to, you know, sit for a hour and go a hill walk myself and do all this kind of stuff, and and I felt like she was getting away with it, and then I remember we went up this walk and she started crying, and said, Graham, I feel you don't want me here, and I think, and then that was the realisation for me, I was like, Graham, what are you doing? Come on, you need to grow up here. Look what you're doing to her. She was so upset that, and she was telling me, "You're this person that I, you're like my person. I can't without you, you know." And it was proper intense, and I felt horrible for that. And that was for the first time I realised, wait a second, Graham, you can't just be, you know, you can't just assume that this is always going to be great. You can't just assume that she's always going to be happy. Actually, this is, you know, Susie. You have to take care of this because she's an amazing person, and you can't just be such a selfish prick. Susie, for quite a while, was a bit unhappy that we weren't seeing each other enough. And that we weren't doing anything. We would, I would go up to her. She lived in Stirling. I lived in Glasgow. And it's not that far. I mean, it is a distance, but it's not far at all. And when we see each other, all we're doing is sitting in the flat and going out for dinner. We weren't ever doing things. And this bothered her for ages. And slowly but surely, she just got a bit unhappy. And then we went to Paris. And we had an amazing time in Paris. The referendum, it was great. I don't know why I mentioned the referendum. <laughs> Went to Paris, and it was an amazing time. And I remember that totally refreshing us because the Collins had happened, and that was when the cracks had started to appear. And we were bickering a wee bit, and it was over minor things. I used to get really frustrated at her for not being able to relax. She would be quite stressed out about little things, and it would annoy me, and we would snap at each other, and she would shout at me for just the minor things. And I think it was because she wanted that passion, she wanted me to get angry. I'm just not like that. And I remember we'd always spoken about getting a cat, and I got her this cat, this wee kitten called Hugo. 
And then ever since we got this week at, we just seemed to be such a less and less for a little while. It was very bickery, and she would always just start crying for no reason. And I would always ask her what's wrong, and then I'd try and go through it, and she just wasn't, she would say, I'm fine, I'm just not feeling myself. I said, Susie, what does that mean you're not feeling yourself? Like, try and explain this to me. And she said, I'm not feeling myself. And then one night, it came to heads, and uh, I remember she was sitting with little Hugo. He was tiny in her lap. And then she just started crying, and I was like, Susie, what's wrong? She went, we went to tears, and then someone just pinged him head. I was like, I wonder if it's the relationship. Rather than it being something else, rather than it being university, rather than it being home life, which she always claimed it was, it was something else. I think maybe it's the relationship. And she came back, she sat down, and I said, Susie, are you unhappy with us? And then she kind of looked at me, and then she had a kind of realization, and then she went, I think I am, I think I am. And even she, I don't think she even realized it. And then rather than addressing the issue and having an adult conversation and doing what people who are lovely each other and couples do then work things out we decided to break up I was completely distraught as was Susie I was just I was I didn't go you know college for a week I was sitting and I wasn't eating I was like what has just happened from me going up looking forward to go up and spend this lovely weekend with my girlfriend in the wee kitten to suddenly going home that night and being single and not being having and not having my Susie so that was really, really difficult, and I was like, what has just happened? And it just, we had a conversation that escalated, and we both just were trying to think of a quick fix. Maybe the quick fix is we don't, we're not together. So we split up, um, not long before uh, Halloween. The Glasgow bin lorry crash happened and I was with my mate Kev and we were driving to get some donuts from this place and then I heard about the news and I was like, oh my God, and then started to come through how serious it was. And it, suddenly in my mind I thought, what if Susie was in Glasgow? And I had this panic and I was like, what if Susie was in Glasgow that day? And I just, I just was terrified. So I got Facebook and I messaged her and said, are you okay? And she went, yeah. And then obviously I told her, Oh, I had a panic that for some reason you might have been one of those people and then we just started actually talking again and then we were just kind of just seeing how we'd been the last few months and unhappy where and then we agreed to meet and then we met it was kind of like when we, when we re-met it was like basically we were bursting out of tears at each other and it was just an embrace and it was like why why aren't we together and we were both saying I don't know and then from there on in basically a few days after that we met Kate Meeting and then we ended up it was like we were going back it was like we just met again spoke through what the problems were and realised why didn't we just have this conversation back in October? Why didn't we work this out like adults back then rather than now when we when we were put ourselves through three months of crap and shit and you know sleepless nights and worry and you know longing for each other and we could have done this, had this conversation because we know each other better than anyone and it was, we were in my car and we were sitting in, sitting in Chatelarow which is a park in Hamilton and the first time we seen each other and I just had this, we were touching and holding each other's hands and we were hugging and we were, first time we'd properly say to each other, Graham, you, you, you did this, Susie, you did this, this made me feel like that, this made me feel like this. And we were actually addressing and we were then deciding, right, we need to discuss this, we can't just let things lie, we can't just ignore them because it'll fester, it'll grow 
and the same thing will happen. And we address things properly for the first time ever. And I became far more aware of just making her feel loved. I know that sounds, we were sometimes spoke to her like mates, and sometimes she wanted me to be her boyfriend and wanted me to, you know, love her and, you know, be affectionate with her. And sometimes I wouldn't, I would just be with, the, with her or pals and be a bit silly and a bit me. After that, things were great again. And for the next, you know, year, I would say it was like that. I was thinking to myself, oh, I, like, I could spend the rest of my life with it with you. And I'm thinking, and I, we used to always talk about back when we split up and we'd laugh about it and go, so how stupid was that? Like, how daft were we? And just and it just and it would seem like I was a different person, and it was a different relationship. I was like, how strange was that that we did that? Like how idiotic and petty over something so minor, and that happened. And we just laugh about it, which I really liked. We were like that up until this this summer. I mean, we were in Marrakesh for my birthday, and it was great. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm just such a lucky. I'm going to say bastard. I'm such a lucky bastard to have this person. And and even then, there might have been issues in terms of like. Us again, not you know talking or speaking about what we speak about. But back in Marrakesh, if you told me you won't be going out with Susie in August, I wouldn't have believed you. I've said a liar. Back in May, I would have said you're a liar. No way. I would have, I would have slapped that man and said no way. That's impossible. There's absolutely no chance that's happening. As I'm saying, and I've come back to this all the time, we've always respected each other's space. But I'm now at a time where I'm thinking, I want more than just see my girlfriend once a week. And when we see each other, we're having it like, we're sitting with all our pals and my pals, whenever we're not spending a lot of time just me and her. And over the summer I'm thinking, and she, Susie works very hard, but sometimes she puts her work before anything else. And that always bothered me. And that was one of the things that bothered me that I used to tell her about. And she used to do a lot of uni work and I'd say, right, we're coming up. She said, what uni work to do? I'm like, Susie, I, I, don't, I can be there. It's not like you, you can only have to do this one thing. I can be there. I can go and sit at the Joe and stuff in your living room. I don't have to be sitting with you, you know, and you can come and then we can spend the night with each other. As long as I'm with you and we can chat, I mean, how can you not be comfortable with this? And that was always bothered me that she was never just okay with that. And... I was getting to the stage of thinking, I want to see my girlfriend more, I want to see her, I want to do more with you. But when we're away on holiday or when we're doing stuff, that's when we were most happy because we were having fun compared to when we were just sitting watching the TV and we're both thinking, this is really boring, what are we doing, we're better than this. That started to bother me a lot and I could tell that she was content the way that it was and I'm thinking, we've been going out for almost four years, surely at this stage we should be moving forward, but we should be a lot farther ahead than what we are than me seeing you once a week. There was a couple of occasions when she was meant to come to family do's and she didn't because she had to work. And my mum and dad even started to notice. So where's Susie? And they could see my face that I was sad and a bit like, why am I not experiencing with Susie? And again, Colonsy happened and this summer and she was meant to come and we're like, right, great, I can't wait to spend a week with you away in Colonsy and we're going to have a great time and it's gonna, you know, we're drinking wine and eat cheese and go to the beach, it's going to be amazing and blah, blah, blah. And she was always saying to me, ah, Graham, but I might have work. I'm like, Susie, you've had ages to book this. We know it's happening. And that was always irritating. It was like she wasn't willing to just to say, yeah, I'll be there and make this commitment to just a wee holiday, a week holiday. What's the big deal? 
And so I went away for a week and then she was meant to come and then she didn't. And I was, uh, for something so minor, I was broken into after that. That was the first time I realised this isn't going to work anymore. I remember telling mum and dad, I remember looking at my mum's face because she just could see my face and she just looked with pity and she felt sorry for me and I was thinking, I don't want my mum to look at this, I want you to be, I want Susie to be here enjoying this, well, just, she's part of my family, you know, she's part of this family, why is she not here and I want to be experiencing, I want to be making these memories with you and you're not here to do it because you're working and I know it's work but it's not even like, she used to work in a burger bar and stuff and it wasn't even like, I, I don't want to say a proper job, but it wasn't, she used to have a zero contract. It used to frustrate me so much. And Susie, you are making this choice to do this. You don't have to make this choice to make this difficult. She was knowingly doing this. Maybe she, I mean, she claimed she, she you know, she felt everything was fine. And I remember I texted her. She was working, surprise, surprise, said, Susie, we have to have a serious conversation. I'm really unhappy. And then she, what she replied to me just made me realise she's not on the same page as me. She went, don't fester. She said, don't worry, don't let it fester. I'll see you in a week's time, have a lovely meal, and I was thinking, she doesn't get this, she doesn't get how important this was to me, that I've been thinking of this for a long time, and I phoned her that night in tears, and so was she, and I just said to Susie, I don't think this is going to work, it was almost like we got too relaxed, so lazy, with seeing each other, being so comfortable that we knew each other would be there, that this had happened, that she felt it was okay, and she, and I said to her, Susie, are you happy with things are, and she said, yeah, and then I said, well I'm not, and we said we'd speak about it when we returned, and we got home, and uh, that night I went to see Susie. And rather than us talking about this big event that had just happened, we just kissed, and then forgot like it, that, that this had just happened because I was just so happy to see her. And we just ignored it again. Did our usual thing. We ignored it every single night. And I was thinking, I have to end this. I'm not happy. And I just wasn't saying anything to her because I was scared to bring it up. And that was always on my mind. It's like I need to be with somebody. I want to be in a relationship where I can where I can see them, where I can make this, where I can make these memories, where I'm, you know, living my life with this person rather than part time. I don't want to be in a part time relationship, and that's how I felt. And this was going on. I think it went on for about three weeks. Every night I was just up all night thinking about this. I've got to just bring it up. I've got to talk about it. Susie was coming to meet me, and we we're going to go and look, view, we're going to stuff at the festival and go and see some shows. And I was tired because I'd been like not slept well and I'd had that interview which I was a bit upset about, a bit frustrated at. We met up and we couldn't decide where to go for something to eat. And she was getting frustrated with me that I couldn't find somewhere to go eat. I said, I just want to find somewhere I want to eat. And we were just, we started falling out over little things about where we wanted to eat. And then she just started crying. As we, and then we said, what's going on? And then we said, we'd, how have we not spoke about this? What happened? And then suddenly, when we had to have this lovely day in Edinburgh at the festival after my interview, we were starting to talk about relationship. And we sat down in Prentice Gardens in the sun with all these thousand people happy and then me and her just sitting on the grass depressed as shit suddenly having this conversation and I couldn't really believe it but unlike last time it felt good I felt good saying to her Susie I'm not happy maybe this isn't what we maybe this isn't a relationship that we actually are in and we realised that we were at different places completely different places and as I'm saying she's a lot younger than me and I don't want you know I'm not like wanting kids to marry to that yet but I wanted to maybe start that process, and she was nowhere near that. The last memory of that conversation was, it was an embrace in uh, the train station.
as I went off to get my train and then she went off to get hers and it was a lovely wee embrace, a, a right great wee cuddle. It was lovely and I gave a little kiss and said the cheek and that was really, really nice. And it was and then I got on the train and I was smiling. It was really odd considering somebody that had just broken up with someone, but I felt well, I felt I felt surprisingly uh, free and I felt good for her and I felt good for myself as well. And this was the right decision we were making. It was a really odd it was a very odd breakup, a very good breakup. I can't imagine many people have this kind of breakup. We're still holding hands and teary and it was still laughing and but we knew knew we, we, we can't be together because we have to we have to concentrate on ourselves right now. This has probably been one of the biggest things in my life. I say I've learned from it. I've learned not what to do and what not to do. I owe, I feel like I owe Susie so much for making me grow as a person. This confidence and this level of you know security that I have now and like where I can be so comfortable with myself and I always owe that to her. And also because I've never loved somebody like that before. I really haven't and and that is what's really difficult to, to imagine. Will I get that with someone else? Of course you do. Because there's not just one person for everyone. There's, you have to work at things and you can, anyone can be that person, but for always, she, that'll never change anything. I'll always have these memories of Susie and that will never ever change in that relationship. I'll never try and compare it to anything else because that thought makes me happy that, that nothing will ever taint that what we've had for like almost four years. And that's great. And I'm sure she thinks the exact same. And in fact, I, I know she does actually, so I think that's wonderful and I'll always hold that. a lot together. I mean, I was very ill. A couple of times we were going out, you know, I had two serious operations and she was there through me, the whole thing. And just the fact that I, I managed to, you know, get this amazing person to, to think, oh yeah, I like me, you know, <laughs> to make this person who fell in love with me was incredible, you know, so I think it kind of got that bad. Must be all right, because she's pretty banging. She's pretty amazing. So that also helped because you think actually, you're not that bad at all. I know people always think, people, I mean, I've never really seen myself as having low self-esteem. I know that's maybe a big head of thing to say. I've always been quite happy within myself. I'm quite a thin person. I've never had the old body. You know, I've never thought of myself as a negative way, but knowing that, you know, someone like Cara would be in love with me was always lovely, I felt. And she said the same thing to me many times. So that was always great as well. So if you know what I mean. And, I, and, I, and that makes you really, it makes you feel really warm inside. That sounds really corny, but that I will still have Susie as a friend. And I think I will, even if we both, because both of us will end up with other people. That's inevitable. She's a beautiful person. You know, I'm, I'm no bad, I think. <laughs> so it's going to happen eventually, and I can't see myself being anything but happy for her. And I still think we'll still speak, especially because the cat, because I love that wee cat. <laughs> and if she takes away from me, oh, God, I'm taking it to court. <laughs> Are you certain that Susie is never going to be in the back of your mind? Susie will always be in the back of my mind. And not in a romantic sense, but just in the sense of what, of what we went through. And I, you never compare, and I'll, and I'll never compare, but she'll always be there because she was such an integral part of my short life so far. I've learned so much from it, and it makes me feel confident in myself that when I go into the next relationship, who knows that the next relationship might you know, surpass that. But I'll always still have had that with Susie. As I said, it will never change. And she'll be the same. And I think it's never say never with Susie. I think, you know, in five years' time, if we met again, I think it would just happen.
We always say to each other, never say never, and I think that's always going to be the way. I mean, who knows what'll happen in 10, 20 years, you know, we end up crossing paths with each other again. We do get all amazing, you know, there'll always be feelings there, and there always is, I think, unless you've had a really toxic, horrible breakup. It's always difficult to say never say never. I don't think anyone can say that, especially when you've shared such amazing times with, such, with another person, such intimacy that no one else will ever know, and you've shared the side of them that this person only knows. So I think you can never say never. Now we wish you no idea. That's a, that's a very good question. I think she'd probably say, Graham, no. <laughs> I've no idea. I've, who, who knows? I'm just going to say, who knows? Let's just see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life in the now, in the moment. I don't want to look ahead. And sh I'll always still be a friend, so it doesn't make a difference to me. The end of Graham's story is very inspiring. It sounds like a good breakup, clearly a move forward for him. This is to me the perfect way to end this first season of the Breaking Point podcast on an optimistic and positive note. We will be back in 2017, not sure exactly when, but most probably in January. I'm looking for more people, more stories to create season two. And I really need your help to achieve this. If you feel like telling your story, if you know someone who would be willing to do it, please contact me on the Facebook page of The Breaking Point Podcast or on the website, thebreakingpointpodcast.com. There are no good or bad stories. I'm not looking for surprising or shocking story at all. Every breakup story, if significant to you, could potentially inspire someone somewhere. I am organizing interviews in December and January in three cities in the UK, Edinburgh, Glasgow, and also London. So if you live in one of those three places, please get in touch via thebreakingpointpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. I am not going to lie, this is a big deal for me to have managed to complete that first season. A year ago, when I was just starting to work on it, I was very enthusiastic, but also very scared that I wouldn't be able to do it for so many reasons. The fear of being exposed, of being judged, of being irrelevant. It took a lot of work and a lot of friends and people I love to help me carry on with it. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to make it all happen. Thank you to all the people who accepted to be interviewed. Sarah, Kirsty, Felicity, Yvonne, Mark and Graham. I'm so grateful. You have no idea. And of course, thank you all for listening to the Breaking Point podcast. We'll be back soon.